Namaste Masters. This is Saroja Gullapalli from Melbourne, Australia. I extend a warm welcome to all the PMC Global viewers who have joined me on this platform today to continue the wisdom sharing of Sitayana. Today we are up, up to episode nine. And uh, before we embark on this journey of episode nine, the untold story of Sita wisdom sharing session. Let's do a two minutes meditation. I request you to cross your feet, lock your fingers, place them on your lap and focus on your breathing. Be with your breath, my dear masters. Be with your breath. And as you focus on your breath, I would like you to travel within, to connect to your inner silence, to connect to your inner stillness. Connect to the stream of consciousness that connects us all and connect to the energies of our Sitama. And let's invite her onto this platform of wisdom sharing of the untold story of Sita today. So my dear masters, I would like you to rub your hands together and place them on your closed eyes. 10, Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, and one. Slowly remove your palms and open your eyes when comfortable. So my dear masters, before we start our wisdom sharing session today, I would like to express my gratitude to Patamaha Patrisa, the PMC channel, and Dena Madam, who has given us this profound book. So at the end of last episode, which was episode eight, we were talking about how Sitama fought with the god of death, Yamadeva. And she stroke a deal with him that she would give some of her lifetime to Lakshmana. That way, Yamadeva would not take Lakshmana away. And this is how Lakshmana escaped his death on the battlefield 
So as Soma mentioned towards our end of episode, that there were a lot of things that Mata did for the benefit of all, for the benefit of humanity and benefit of others, which Mata never mentioned to anyone. And Mata did mention to Hanuman that all the great works for the sake of humanity are always done away from the eyes and ears of humankind. Hence, many of the things that we have not known so far about Sitama's sacrifice, we're getting to know through this book. As we move forward from the story where Lakshman gets back his life and recovers from his wounds. Going on from there, both armies, they suffer great losses during the coming days in the battle. There's a lot of damage to the wildlife, the trees, the ocean life, and all the creatures. Mata had known this before, and that was one of the reasons why Mata had been always trying to prevent this big battle. During Sitama's time in Lanka, Mata had done her best to penetrate the inner kingdom of Ravana to awaken him. His mental ability had been weakened from many months of lack of sleep. We have talked about how Mata had gone into his dreams and woke up his guilt. Now it was Sri Ram's role to complete the whole process because Mata has done the internal battle and now it was Sri Ram's turn to finish Ravana's illusion from outside. In the end, it was Sri Ram's love that undid Ravana. As they battled day and night, Sri Ram could see the work Mata had done to really open up all that intricate web of deception that Ravana had built all these days. So Mata was seated in meditation one day when she really felt this burst of love, this unconditional love, which was just rushing over her like streams. It was like gushing fountains, fountains of water, refreshing water. And what Mata could say was it felt like a great bliss. And finally, when she opened her eyes, she could see the same love all around her. The trees in that garden, even the demon women who were guarding her, this love was just flowing through all of them. And then she realized that this was the same love which, was, which always came from Sri Rama. And there in the battlefield, before Sri Rama could shoot the final arrow, he stood for a moment looking at Ravana, very deeply gazing into his eyes, into Ravana's spirit. And that, that was the way he freed him from all the delusions that he was building up within himself and outside. Then Rama sent that flood of love which he's the source of into Ravana. And then he unleashed the final blow and he cut all the deadly traits that had held Ravana captive in his illusions. So as Ravana lay dying, the two of them spoke. Ravana and Sri Rama spoke. Now that all the illusions had been cut by Rama, Ravana was more into his senses now on his deathbed. He asked Sri Rama, can I return to my home 
when he means his true abode, he's talking about Vaikuntha. But Sri Rama sadly shook his head and said, though I have destroyed men much of your karma by pouring that love within you, but still Ravana, there's one more birth that's needed to free yourself truly, to make sure that there is no sign of this lust or pride that has to be totally uprooted and your ego has to be totally dissolved. And that was the last effort Ravana had to make. And then only he could come back to Vaikuntha. And as Mata knew, after this incarnation of Ravana, his spirit had to wander for millennia before he could take one more birth in towards the end of the Dwapar Yuga. And Mata could see that would be a long time. And after that, if you could get rid or uproot all his negative behavior, then there would be a chance for him to get back to his true home. Because of the unconditional love that Mata was feeling, the gush like a fountain Mata was feeling, Mata knew that the battle was over. And exactly that time when Ravana lay on the ground dead, the Amrita, the nectar that had sustained her body this long without food and water, it stopped flowing. And as she began to get up from her meditation, the waves of love that she had felt just a while ago, the moment she finished her meditation and she starting to get up till then, Mata had not got up from that position. But now when she started to get up, a great fire just totally engulfed her body. And this fire was the heat from the tapasya, from the meditation for months together, which she had done. And it felt like the whole being was burst into flames. And uh, when, Ra when Rama and uh, Lakshmana and others found uh, Mata in the um, Ashokavan, they felt like she was seated in a bowl of fire. And Lakshmana was very, very worried. And he was very worried that Sita was being burnt alive. And she, he tried to run towards her. And Sri Rama said, no, do not disturb her. She's consuming all the impurities of this place of Lanka after the war, all that impurities that are still remaining here. She's burning it with her fire of tapasya. And he said to Lakshman, let it burn. This is the fire of her meditation, which she has done for Ravana and for Lanka. And then the fire then withdrew back into Sitama's body and it subsided. And at that time, Soma mentions that exactly at the same time, the fire that Sitama had lit in Ayodhya's palace. You people remember, this was the flame through which Soma was able to communicate with Mata from time to time. And Soma says that this is the flame that she had been guarding. Um, at exactly at the same time, this flame in Ayodhya also burst into a big flame and then extinguished itself. After 14 years of burning nonstop, this flame went out. And at that point, Soma says, I knew either it was victory or my Mata was no longer there. Because being there in Ayutthaya, if you people remember, during the last nine months, she lost her connection with Mata. So she didn't know what was happening. But the, when the flame was extinguished, she realized that something must have happened there because she knows that the time, the time frame of the exile was finished. And in Lanka, after the flames had been absorbed into Mata's body, this is the flames of her, the heat from her meditation. She felt the presence of Sri Ram and then she opened her eyes 
And then an overwhelming joy rose in her because she was seeing her beloved after nine months. And she tried to stand up, but she had not stood on her feet for days. As I mentioned, she was in nonstop meditation for nine months. Her body, her physical body suddenly experienced weakness from lack of food, from lack of water, from lack of sleep. She hadn't slept for nine months. And as she tried to rise, you know, her physical world began to spin and she was unconscious on the ground. So um, Sri Rama picked her up and then tried to bring her back into consciousness by pouring drops of water on her face. And she was taken into the palace in Lanka. And finally, when Mata came back to her consciousness, as she promised, she took her first meal from Mandodari's hand as she had promised Mandodari that when she starts eating, she will have her first meal through Mandodari. So Mata has never forgotten any of her promises to anybody. And then as Mata does always, wherever there is a big battle happening, just to heal the soul of the people, she always cooks and feeds the people. So with Mandodari's help, Mata cooks and arranges a feast for all the people of Lanka. And this is Mata's way of expressing her love through cooking and feeding. And she knew this was her last act in Lanka for the sake of people of Lanka to heal them before she could leave for Ayodhya. And before leaving Ayodhya, Mata, Mata went to the Ashoka tree that had sheltered her for so long and she touched her forehead to the roots of the Ashoka tree. It was, she was paying her gratitude and homage to the companion and to the witness who has seen all that difficult year along with Mata and Mata had developed a kind of, a kind of relationship um, with uh, the Ashoka tree. Now this story, as you people remember, it was being heard by Anasuya and her mother. And now to finish the story of Lanka as Mata is going towards Ayodhya, this is, this is what Anasuya's feeling is. Um, after telling the story till here, Soma takes a break because she's very tired. And Anasuya feels that for as long as she can remember, her heart had always been filled with love for Maharani Sita. And as if you people remember, she comes back from school and never wants to go back to the ashram because she feels that people there did not understand Mata really. And they were not really telling the true story of Mata. But now after she has heard this story, she knew she had a deep love or connection with Sita Mata hidden in her heart. She wanted to stay with Soma back. She developed a connection with Soma, the reason for which she never knew. She wanted to learn more from so Soma. Um, she wanted to serve Soma, but she did not dare mention it to her mother because we all know why Anasuya's mother has brought her to Soma because they wanted her to get married. So she knew that her parents won't like it. Her parents won't like it if she tells them that I want to stay back here with Soma, but deep in her heart, she, she could feel that there was a long connection with Soma. Listening to Soma had mysteriously broken down a block in her, in her heart. She, there was a resistance in her mind all the time and that she couldn't find anymore. By listening to Sitama's story through Soma, she felt that the love that they were talking about really flowed through her. Now it didn't seem to matter what Anasuya wanted in life. Anasuya thought, I don't mind if I get married or I don't. But this path, the path of coming to Soma has brought me closer to Sitama and I'm so contented. 
this was the only thing that mattered. I always wanted to know what happened to our Maharani. And now I know what happened to our Maharani. Next day, when they come back to Soma to continue the story, then she asks, can you share with us how Maharani Sita returned to Ayodhya? How did she come? So they really wanted to know how was the return of Sri Ram and Sitama back to Ayodhya. And also the biggest question that Anusuya had in her mind was because Soma told her that she is in that this ashram because this is where Sitama spent her last days. So she asked Soma, how did Sitama come to live in this place so far from the city like this one? And then Soma says, it's, it's a long story and it's a very complex story. Then she says, it's difficult to convey, you know, what Mata's role was in the world since so much she did lay hidden, even to this day. That is so true, my dear friends, what Soma is saying, because what each of us know about Mata so far is so little. And this is how Mata kept it. She never wanted to make it a big announcement of what she did. And hence, it is so difficult to convey, you know, how to see Mata. And it's like layer by layer. Every incident that we know about Mata, what she has done, it's like another layer peed in Mata's life. So, but Soma says, this is my job to keep, bring it all open um, into, into, so that the story goes to everyone. Though Mata did not share with many, but this is my job to really share it with everyone. And then she sits in a meditation for some time, sounding Om and just to get some peace because the story of Mata is not yet over, my dear friends. Though many of us, when we hear Ramayana, the moment Ravana is killed, a big sigh of relief comes to all of us because we know that the negative forces have entered and it's all joy in the life of uh, the heroes, the Rama and Sita. But honestly, when you read this book, the untold story of Sita, what Lanka and the role of Ravana happens to be, it's only a part of Sitama's story. So really, you can say, the part two honestly starts from here. Though in the book we have part one and part two in the form of Meenakshi and Anasuya. But in the true terms of Sitayana, we can say the part one finishes with Ravana's death. But the part two has just began, my dear friends. So as Soma continues with her story, after Sriram and Mata, they leave Lanka. They first stop to offer their praise to Mahadev. Because when, when Sriram started his um, battle, he first prays to Mahadev um, before he starts building his um, army. So on the way back, they are again pray paying their respects to Mahadev for supporting them in this um, battle with the negativity or with the asuras. And the way they came, exactly that, that's the way they are retreating. So after praying to Mahadev, they reach Panchavati and at Panchavati, guess who they visit? They visit Chandrika. Do you remember Say Chandrika? Just before Surpanakha comes, we have talked about Say Chandrika. So Sri Ram and Mata Sita, they both go and visit uh, Chandrika. Um, so because Mata promises her that she would visit again, and Mata never, never forgets her word, uh, but because she was kidnapped, she wasn't able to go back to Chandrika, or, or even if not kidnapped, because of her stay in Lanka, Mata could not go to Chandrika back. So now she keeps her word. 
she's so pleased to see chandrika and as chandrika promised chandrika is pursuing her meditational practice and her spiritual practices like how she says to mata and mata sees her sitting in a meditation and she can see that she has really uh, practiced a lot of spiritual um, knowledge in the last few months and there's a lot of difference between the chandrika she had seen before and after and but she's still living in that same broken heart spending all her time in austerities and doing spiritual practices and then mata tells her that my dear chandrika you have done a great practice and in a few years time a son would come to her and chandrika is looking in amazement at me she thinks her husband is dead and mata is talking about a son she says how is it possible mata and then um, sita mata says very soon we'll see a small boy he'll be wandering in the forest and he'll come to you and uh, she says your husband who abandoned you will now find himself abandoned by his mother that means his her husband who has died has already born um and in this incarnation his mother will abandon him see my dear friends this is the cycle of karma what you do to others comes back to you in his previous life he abandoned his wife so this in this life his mother will abandon him and many times when we do not see the big picture or when we cannot know the big picture or cannot understand the big picture the poor me thing the, the self pity always arises poor me why me this is such a classic example you know that little boy when his mother would abandon he would also have the same feeling why me i'm only a little boy why is my mother abandoning me but if only he could see his previous life where he had he had done the same to his wife so mata is explaining that he's already taken birth and very soon his mother will abandon him and he will come wandering in the forest to you and mata asks chandrika that give him shelter raise him like your own son and then he will become your student because now chandrika is teaching she has opened her own hermitage so mata is saying he'll become your student and he'll learn from you and he will grow very attached to you because of his previous life um, samskaras he'll grow very attached to you and uh, mata says to chandrika you have still so much love in your heart towards your husband though because of his deeds you know you are not feeling it but whatever love you have you shower it on him and only by showering your love on that boy you can heal you know heal yourself and you can heal him of his past deeds you know whatever he has done in the past he will be burning with agony he will be burning with guilt so that's the only way so that's the trick my dear master love is one thing that can really heal anything even even our past life deeds and how beautiful way to express it that mata says just shower your love on him because that's the only thing that can heal you and him of his past deeds and chandrika's eyes you know filled with tears at this words and chandrika says oh am i going to see him again and mata says don't worry but this time you know she, mata is worried that she might be feeling oh my god what kind of uh, husband am i going to see again but mata says don't worry because he will be much bit better behaved um and then mata says um, you will set him on a course this time you know the, because of your education and hermitage um you will take him on a path that he will not go stray from that so you're going to give him good knowledge um and then shri ram says 
Chandrika while uh, Sita was away in Lanka. And Chandrika was praying, Lord, nonstop. And he says, your prayers were a source of strength to Sita while she was away. And for that, I'm very grateful. And um, Mata says to Chandrika, Chandrika, when you, um, when you get your husband back in the form of your son, I just want to let you know that that is because of Sri Ram's blessing. Because if you guys remember, Sri Ram performs the last rites of Chandrika's husband when he finds him dead in the, in the river. And from that point on, where Sri Ram has been guiding that soul so that the soul comes back to Chandrika. So Mata mentions that to Chandrika. Um, and Sri Ram says, you know, Chandrika, whatever happened in his last life, that is done. This time, you raise your son to the sage he was always meant to be. Like whatever in his last life he was meant to be, a great sage running a great hermitage, that couldn't happen. But now you can raise your son the way you know you want. Like son means husband from the previous life. So saying that, they return to Ayodhya. And when they reach Ayodhya, um, there's a great celebration in Ayodhya. After 14 years, Sri Ram and uh, Sita Mata has come. And now from this point onwards, the story that we are hearing is through Soma again. Soma was also telling us the previous story, but that part of the story from where Soma could not connect through Mata's flame till this point that Mata returns to Ayodhya, that one year story has come from Sita to Hanum, Sitama to Hanuman, and from Hanuman to Soma, and from Soma to um, Suya and her mother and to us. But from now, what story we are hearing is directly through Soma to us. So my dear friends, now this is phase three of Soma's story. Um, so phase one was when she first told her um, narration, then through Hanuman, phase two, and now back to Soma, phase three. Um, and Soma says, I have no words to describe when I saw Mata and Sri Ram again. It has been such a long time I felt. Um, though Mata was as beautiful as she left, but because Soma knew Mata so well, Soma says, um, I felt a weakening in Mata's life energy like prana. And nobody else might have seen that. But I couldn't help but notice because I've known Sitama from a very young age. And Soma says, it must have all become, because of all the sacrifices she did in Lanka or anywhere else, how much torment she went through when she was in Lanka in the Ashokwana. And Soma says, maybe that's true with even Sri Rama, that his life energy also may have weakened. But because I have never shared that closeness with Sri Rama, I couldn't say about Sri Rama. But according to Soma, she, she really felt that, felt that um, you know, she could see some difference in Mata. But overall, Mata's physical health and everything was, was great. Um, the way she walked, the way she spoke, it was fantastic. And... But one thing everyone noticed between the two couple was, sorry, between the two people, the couple was, since they left Ayodhya, now that they had come back, they, they, their composer was very mature and as accomplished pair, they had accomplished so much in this 14 years and they had had special bond between them, uninterrupted bond, except for that nine months in Lanka. And people could see their love and dedication for each other just went into went to another stage um, and Soma explains that love between the pair so beautiful 
And then Mata comes back to Ayodhya. She asks, so when she returns to Ayodhya, she asks Soma about all the servants. You know, she there were four servants altogether. But by the time Mata returns, only Soma is surviving. Though Mata knows about the other three, but still Mata checks Soma who the, about the other three who haven't survived to see her return. And she also asks about the other Maharani's, how they are going. And uh, she thinks about Urmila because she knows Lakshman was along with them. And Urmila, she was in the palace all alone without her husband. And that union between her sister Urmila and Sita was a very happy reunion. And then, as we all know, my dear friends, the next thing that follows is the coronation of Sri Rama as he sits on the throne as a king. And Sita Ma, our Sita Ma, becomes Rani Mata. And then they both settle back into their palace life. And what's, what uh, Mata sees in this 14 years of her not being in Ayodhya, and now that she has come back, she sees a lot of change in Ayodhya city. The city has grown quite big, which is quite um, expected. But what she sees is now it's grown big, new lands have been acquired, and definitely trade has increased. But what has also happened along with that is a lot of foreign traders are and visitors, strangers are coming into Ayodhya city streets and markets. And one thing that everyone is talking about that the streets are less safe or less um, safer than what they used to be. And now Mata is very surprised that the way people are talking is um, it's very unwise for women to wander in the streets alone or in the night. And so everyone is advising women to stay you know, at home or confined to their palaces. And this is something Mata cannot accept. You know. She has been for 14 years through the forest, and this is not what she has seen. Of course, there were demons, asuras, and negative energy people, but that was a different ballgame. Here she has come back amongst the humanity, and here she's, she's seeing there's so much change happening within Ayodhya city in the last 14 years. So one day when Sriram and Mata are just going around the city in their chariot, Mata asks the chariot to be stopped. Uh, when they are just passing by a shop, a stall which sells a plant medicine. And Mata can see there a man and she gets down her chariot and goes and starts talking to this man. And she says, uh, Mata says, oh, you're looking for some remedy or plant medicine for your ill mother. She says, you will not find it here in the shop. Come follow me. As we all know, Mata knows nature so well. So she knows, you know, this particular shop fellow doesn't know anything or doesn't know as much as she knows. So then she asks this man to follow her. Um, and as Mata gets down the chariot and starts looking, uh, you know, she's going into the nature for the plant medicine for this um, person's ill mother. All the guards are running after Mata because now she's queen and um, they don't want her to go alone. So, and Mata goes to Saryu River and she's looking for this plant medicine on the side of the Saryu River because Mata has always done that. Um, and by the way, something very important that I should have mentioned is when Mata comes back to Ayodhya, the first thing she does is go to Saryu River and she um, expresses her gratitude to Saryu Mata. So now this time when she goes to Saryu River, um, she says to the man that you will find here exactly the plant that you're looking for your mother's ailment. And she then uh, describes um, the plant in great detail to that man and also tells him how to prepare it. Um, 
and she says to him look you know take the plant make the medicine this is how it's made but once your mother recovers ask her to come and see see me um, and then because martha doesn't have much time she's got guards approaching so she um, that man quickly thanks martha for being so kind and showing her where she where he can find the plant medicine and how to make it um, and then martha goes back um, but the guards are not leaving martha at all so Shiram says to the guards, "Look, don't worry about Mata. She has put. She was in Lanka, surrounded by demons. They could not do anything to her. What can people of Ayodhya or even you know foreigners in Ayodhya? What can they do to Mata? So don't worry about her." And um, but then the chief of the guards comes to Shiram that night and requests him, you know, please don't ask. Please ask Mata not to go in the wild because it's not it's not the same Ayodhya. It, he's doing his job. Um, not to say that Mata can't look after herself, but he, but he's doing his his, his job, um, so that you know Mata can, um, so that he can be rest assured. So some weeks later, um, what happens is this old woman. I won't shouldn't say old woman. This this ill ill mother of that man. Um, once the person finds the plant and makes the medicine for his mother. Um, I, she gets better, and she comes to the palace gate um, to because Sita Mata tells him that you know once your mom gets better, send her to the palace. She comes, but the guards won't let her in. She comes twice, um, but the guards are driving her back. And second time, Soma sees that these guards are sending the sending some woman away, um, and she immediately recognizes that woman. Um, oh, this is the same woman who used to go to Sariu Nadi. To Saryu River to pray for Mata when she was in Lanka, but she doesn't understand. You know who is she? Um, so she goes and asks the guard, "Who was that woman who wanted to come in?" And then the guard say, "Oh, she's come before. She's come again." And um, we asked her to go to the public audience where you know Maharani can see her, um, but she has refused and she wants to keep saying it's a private matter and she wants to see the queen. And so that evening. Um, Soma says that she, Soma goes and tells Ma, Mata that um, you know this lady. Uh, there was this lady who came, and Mata starts thinking, and then Mata says, "Ah, oh, I and I can see that. You know, it was her son who was looking for the plant medicine, and I had shown him the herb, and I also I had also asked him to tell his mother to come and see me. I'm so sorry that he was turned away by the by the guards. So." she feels quite disturbed that why the guards are being so rude to this woman and when sri ram comes and sees mata he says to mata don't be disturbed you you have to do what you have to do um, uh, see if there are things you have to do to make people better you just keep continuing so mata gets the hint and that night she tells soma soma um, and next day morning we are going to sariu river that means mata cannot go in her um, queen attire because the guards won't let her out. So she tells um, Soma, you know, get your dress. So next day morning, Mata dresses her like dresses herself like a maid using Soma's dress, and the two of them quietly leave the palace. And they have done this before, if you remember, my dear friends. When Mata gets married and she comes from Mithila to Ayodhya, you know, she's so used to going to nature, and in Ayodhya. Um, people don't let her go out of the palace. So she has done this before dressing like a maid. And she goes with Soma and Minakshi to Sariu River, if you, if you remember. 
So this time again, Mata is using the disguise of the maid and she goes out. Um, and because the guards can't recognize, they think they are, uh, you know, servant maids. So they, he nods and let them pass. So from there, Mata and Soma, they go directly to the river. They offer their prayers. Mata loves going to Sarayu River. Um, and they spend some time there. And then Mata says, look, now the dawn, it's about to, the daylight is about to break. And we have to see this woman for whom we have actually come. So they, they, uh, they go to that woman's house. And Hassan opens the door. He's shocked to see the Maharani standing there in servant's clothing. So he just falls to her feet. He said, Mata, Maharani, I can't, I can't thank you. Um, you know, how much you have done for my family. My mother was so ill, but you brought life back to her. Mata says, Mata is so modest. She says, I didn't do it. It was the medicine. And then she says, there are wonderful medicine plants that are growing by the side of Saru. But our physicians, they know, they know nothing about them. I'm so glad your mother recovered. Can I meet your mother? So then she goes inside and she sees that in a corner, there's an old, older woman who is still quite weak. She's recovering from her illness. And that woman quickly rises to meet Mata. Mata says, it's okay, you sit down. Uh, Mata says, I've come to apologize for what the guards did to you. Such a noble woman. She is a queen. You know, she has already done what she could telling her son what kind of herbs, you know, how to make the concoction. And in spite of that, her generosity did not end there. Just because she saw the guards haven't dealt with this woman well, she has come all the way to apologize. So then she says, I've really come all the way to apologize. Um, I did ask you to meet me, but I'm so sorry my guards didn't let me uh, let you come in. And then she asks, you know, what's your name? And that old woman tells her, that her name is Apita. Apita, that name keeps resounding in Mata's being. And then tears start flowing from Mata's eyes as if she's remembering something. And then she's so much overcome by emotions that she can hardly speak. And finally, when she can speak, she says, Apita, when I was in Lanka, I heard your chants. Remember, my dear friends, Devahuti, Sage Devahuti comes and takes Mata in her astral body form to Saryu River, where Abita is praying for. Where Abita is, um, is praying for Sitama's safety. And not only Abita, Abita was the first one apparently who started the prayer and then all the Ayodhya women come and join. So that's what Mata says that when the rest of the Ayodhya was sleeping, you and your fellow women, you used to pray for me, you know, in the rain, in the cold, in the dark, you know, all these women, doesn't matter how bad the weather was or how dark it was, how 24 hours they were praying for Mata when she was gone. And Mata says, you were my protection. Because of your prayers, I have this, this, I had this protective shield around me, which did not allow anybody to reach me. I'm so grateful and I will remember you always, Abhita, because Mata knows even Ravana could not Pierce that there was nobody could even enter the break the protective shield except Trijata, who had a kind heart and a clear heart. And that's what Mata now remembers, and she has tears in her in her eyes. You know, these Ayodhya women who I who I hardly knew because Mata was less than a year in Ayodhya before she goes to um to the exile. So 
Mata is so overjoyed that she's seeing Abhita herself. And then um, Abhita says, Maharani, you know, you don't have to praise me so much. You know, I'm your servant and that's the least I should do. And then Mata says such a great thing. She says, we are all servants here. We are serving each other in various ways. And uh, that is the greatness of, you know, people. Um, is Mata, she never saw herself as superior or inferior. When, when Abhita says, I'm your servant, she says, we're all servants. And that's what we need to remember, my dear masters. Servant is not a low, low word or anything like that. Dushyanta, Meenakshi's father tells, you know, we in Mata says that we in this universe are all serving each other in some way or the other. So we're all servants, isn't it? Whichever way we serve, even a king is a servant because he's serving his, his kingdom. A great way for Mata to say, um, so apt for this conversation. And then Mata says, I must be getting back to the palace before people miss me because she has seen that how guards were um, chasing her the other day. And uh, then she tells Abhita, look what I had to do to meet you. I had to dress up like a servant to escape the guards. And then she says to Abhita, you need to regain your strength. And she says, Abhita, you know, very soon you're going to have a grandson. So that means she's saying that your son is going to get married and you're going to have a grandson soon. And Abhita, you have to get better because you have to, you have so much to teach your grandson. And listening to those words, Abhita's eyes start glowing. Mata says, that when you have a grandson, he will love you dearly. And you know, the love that you have in your heart, Abhita, your grandson will carry forward that love in your heart. Isn't that interesting, Masters? You know, what Mata is telling us, you know, how we can pass even the qualities generation by generation. One doesn't have to feel sad that he's going to die away and his, he, he, he will be forgotten in this world. We will never be forgotten, my dear masters, because we can, you know, the qualities which we have or the essence of us can really go forward through generations and generations. You know, that's what we can pass on. And that way we can always be immortal. That's what Martha is saying. That your grandson that you will have will love you dearly and that way you can carry forward this unconditional love you have in your heart and mata is so grateful for this woman who has looked after her in lanka through her prayers at sarayu so mata holds her hand and squeezes her hand with so much love and affection and then she stands up to leave and as mata is going towards the door suddenly mata stops back she turns around and then you know mata always had this big silver pendant which her mother Sunaina Ma has, had given her when she left Mithila which always hangs around her neck even in Lanka it was always there with her so she had been wearing it so now she takes it and takes it away removes it and gives it to Abhita and says Abhita I want you to have this this was something that my mother gave and this is very precious precious to me and I can think of no one that I can give this to and I want you to keep it um, and she says to Abhita, someday when the time is right, you will give this beautiful pendant to your grandson. And Mata says that it will um, make me very happy to know that this pendant has gone to your grandson. See, Mata, the, this is the greatness of her. 
whatever she does is just not for the present. She can see so much in the future. And as we go forward, all these things that I'm telling you, my dear friends, just remember all this. They're not just part of the stories, but they're big links in this untold story of Sita or Sitayana. So remember this, that Mata has given this beautiful pendant to Apita. And she's asking Apita that you will have a grandson who will love you and you will love him. And one day when the time is right, you will give this pendant to um, your grandson and I will wait to see that. And Abhita is just overjoyed. She thinks it's a great honor to get this pendant from Mata. But Soma says that she has seen something has exchanged between um, Mata and Abhita when Mata touched Abhita. Um, but she doesn't understand. But one thing she knows she has to get back home because it's daylight is breaking and then it, she doesn't want Mata to be caught on the streets. It's already filling up with people. So they're quickly rushing back to the palace. And on the way, what happens is now the streets are getting full of people. And right at that moment, a person, who, a man who's carrying a huge load on his back, rams straight into Mata. And because of that impact, Mata falls onto the ground. Instead of even apologizing to Mata, he has impacted her. Mata is on the ground. But because Mata has got this, her face covered with whale, they don't know it's Maharani. They can't see her. She's dressed in servant's dress. So they are thinking she's servant. Without helping her to get up, he doesn't help her to get up. He doesn't apologize. Instead, he yells at her. And he, and he screams at her and says, you servant should stay out of our way. And not only that, he makes a gesture like he's about to kick her. And then Soma quickly pulls Mata up and lifts Mata onto her feet. Um, and in that second, what happens was Mata's veil covers a side. And whoever are there, they're able to recognize the Maharani. So she quickly covers her head. And, <laughs> and Soma is quickly says, okay, may, make way for the servants of Maharani. And she screams and you know runs out, taking Mah Maharani from there. So once they are back in the room, they quickly change. And then um, so Soma says that I, Soma feels very bad that whoever the citizen of citizen was um, who pushed or who, who rammed into Mata and Mata fell, fell on the floor. He was attempting to kick her. And she comes to Mata and she says, Mata, I'm so sorry what I saw. He made no apology to you after he knocked you down. And uh, Mata says, it doesn't matter, you know, if you are thinking that I'm a Rani and Maharani and he should not done this to me. First of all, he cannot do this to anyone and to a woman. I mean, he can is thinking of considering of kicking a woman. How dare? And she says to Soma, you know, Soma, it doesn't matter. It was me. It could have been anyone else. It's it's equally bad. And she said, like Mata is, she says to Soma, I would rather take the hit myself than, you know, somebody else taking that kick upon them. Mata is always like that. She's happy to take everyone's pain, everyone's um, assault, hum humiliation, everything Mata is happy to take it. And we have, Mata says, you know, Soma, in one day today, we have seen the best and the worst of Ayodhya. So what was the best they, they saw? They saw Abhita who put everything aside, you know, to serve Maharani um, sitting at the uh, Saryunadi um, banks and, you know, selflessly praying for um, Mata. So they met Abhita. And then uh, they also met the worst of Ayodhya, which is a man <laughs> you, who, who happily pushed her and was not even hesitant of kicking her. 
and she, she says to Soma, we have to remember Abhita and hope that she becomes the future of Ayodhya, not this man who is happily ready to kick anyone. And then the moment Mata says Abhita word, you know, a smile crosses Mata's face. So that's when Soma asks, what Mata, what is it about this Abhita? What is so good or precious, um, important about Abhita that you gave your precious pendant? Because Soma knows that this pendant was very special for Mata and it was given by her mother to her. So she doesn't understand why Mata had made such a big decision. And then Mata tells her about um, the reason behind why she had given the pendant to Abhita. So the story goes is she says to Soma, Soma in a previous birth of Abhita, she was a very pious woman and she was from a very great family in Mithila. So in previous life, she belongs to Mithila, this Abhita. Friends, you have to listen to this story carefully. This is how this whole Sita and I is the untold story of Sita. Every bit that we are listening is just not for the sake of a story. It has got something, a link somewhere for us to understand. And that shows us this whole life is not a coincidence. Anything happening to us, even now, my dear friends, my telling you this wisdom sharing of the untold story of Sita and you sitting there and watching my video, it's not a coincidence, my dear friends. This has linked to something that has yet to come or something that has already happened maybe yesterday or 10, day, 10 years ago or 100 years ago or in our previous lives. So such an important message at every stage. So going ahead, Mata is telling this story. She's saying in a previous birth, this woman was a very pious woman. Her husband misbehaved and was cursed by a powerful sage. Are you reminded of something, my dear friends? And then Mata says, because of the curse, they lost everything and they suffered greatly. And then this woman's husband died. This is in her previous incarnation in Mithila. So the husband died and she was left alone to raise her son. And that was her only surviving ch child. Rest of the children died. How did they die? Because of the curse of the sage. So the father had been cursed and the children died. Only one survived. And then the Janaka was so, so generous and kind that he took this family as he looked after them. And, you know, they all worked as servants. Now it's reminding you of something. And the Janaka family, you know, they felt keenly for um, this woman and they took her. And then from there on, her sons and their sons have all been servants in Janka's family. And for that, Abhita was immensely grateful to Janka. And she takes a vow in that life that she will dedicate her life to Janak Baba's family in her future births. So she takes a vow in that life that because Janka has done so good to her and to her family at the time when they were going through this terrible curse, that she will dedicate her life in her future births too to this family of Janaka. And Sitama is of Janaka's daughter, isn't it? So she, in that life, she served in the household of Janaka so faithfully. And then she died when she was quite young because her husband died at an early age because of her, she went through so much. So she didn't survive long. So she died at a very young age. And then she took a subsequent birth in Mithila again and she served in the household. So her next life was again in Mithila. 
again she served in the household but then the following life she was born in ayodhya but that didn't mean that her devotion to janaka's family lessened so just before we continue this um apita story what i wanted to tell you was that this was her devotion in her in, in her mind how much devoted she was that one one life where she expresses her devotion that you know she wants to continue it life after life you know she's continuing that tradition so this time when she was born in ayodhya her devotion to sita's family never ceased though she doesn't remember why she's feeling like that because she doesn't have previous births memory like any any of us but this feeling that comes which we call intuition my dear friends this is that tradition you know the those samskaras that she has had from the previous life so because of that feeling she takes a vow and she is still being faithful with with sita ma you know all through this years you know she's been faithful to janaka and his um lineage so because somewhere deep inside she knows you know and when she comes she's born in ayodhya she knows in in her heart not she doesn't know in her mind but in her in her heart she knows that she has this devotion towards um descendants of janaka's family and um, and sitama that's why she's serving this is what leads her to go and pray for sitama on sarayu river bank see so beautiful my dear friends and this is what is so intriguing to me what happens in one life how it has got you know the impacts going on um so what took place long ago in this lady's wife life but her devotion did not die and this is sitama says to soma this is the power of love it carries from one generation to another from one birth to the next so that devotion that apita had for one janaka um, in in the time of one of the janakas her devotion did not stop there she felt it from the bottom of her heart that the king and king had looked after her at a time when she needed the most and hence life after life she has dedicated her life for in the service of janaka's descendants and now the, in in this lifetime in ayodhya now she's serving for sitama not that she wants to she's not planning it but it is the devotion that's coming so now there is a very good comparison here my dear friends when we talk about our previous lives and how it flows if you remember mandodari mandodari also has her previous life um, memories through sitama's um, you know blessings and at that time sitama shows her her life where all mandodari wanted was to get married if she because she can never get married because her parents can't find a suitable suitor for her so she vows that when i take birth next time if if i can get married if i'm fortunate enough to get married i will give away everything i'll give away my happiness everything for my husband's happiness so now if you compare both of them you know one abita another one mandodari mandodari's mandodari's thirst was so selfish it was all about me it was all about me it's like you know i have to be happy this is my reason why you know um, ravana is my husband if only i could get a husband i would put everything in 
to him to the point that she left the good of the society she didn't care about the society at all in she didn't even care her own self dignity but because she had such strong thoughts in her life that she has to dedicate everything for her husband without even having a reasonable thinking when she took another life and got married to ravana by force she didn't want to it was all by force but see the previous janma the previous life's deep conscious thoughts made her to do things that she did so she forgot her dharma whereas in case of abita even this is her previous life um, memory but here this is an unconditional love this is a love for the good and see the difference between you know how thoughts both are thoughts from the previous life but what can one do and what can the other do so my dear friends is very important for us this is what shows us that the thoughts that we cherish in our minds are just not limited to this life they go for many lives ahead so we should be very careful what kind of thoughts are they selfish thoughts are they just for our our sake is it any good to the humanity the the, the desires we have because they can ruin many lives if they are not for the good of the society or if they are for the good of the society they are going to do benefit for many people in the coming incarnations this is classic example in the in the form of comparison between mandodari and tapita so my dear friend this is a lesson this is a message for us from this book and then minakshi is asking um, now this is the whole story sitama is telling minakshi about it and then minakshi says asks minakshi can put two and two together as i was asking you this question do you remember who this story abita's story is and exactly the same question soma had and she says was this lady ancestor of minakshi and then mata says indeed she was she says you, you know minakshi's great great grandmother had to suffer her husband's curse because this mata this everyone knows in mithila that minakshi's great great grandmother had to suffer because her husband did something harm you know to a sage and he had cursed her um he had cursed the the man not only his him but many generations to come and although that woman hadn't done anything wrong she suffered generations generations suffered including minakshi's father um dushyanta and even minakshi she was never allowed to get married because you remember what her father used to say oh no you know some misfortune is going to come to you your husband will die or your children will die so don't get married so mata is saying that mata knew this uh, that minakshi was cursed so and now mata sees abita and she can put everything together mata says it touched me deeply to see abita's devotion through all these years not only years through all these births her devotion has not died and she says that is why i gave my precious possession now look at mata mata says love is not a stream that just flows one way love is a stream that flows both the direction only when the love goes both the directions it will flourish if it is only one way it will flow for some time and then you know sediments will start forming so beautifully mata says she gave so much love to my family you know she gave so much life to janaka's family generations and not only that even today she's she's given so much love and that you know 
be returned to her and her descendants continuing to flow through her prayers like she's everything that prayers that she had done and she said look i got a chance today to acknowledge what she did and return this love and then martha says to um, soma that what i'm talking about this two-sided love in fact it's not like a stream it, this is called a cycle of love it is cycle you know what you give comes back to you what you give comes back to you my dear friends everything in the universe everything in this creation is all cyclic including the time that we talked before you know the big cycle of time and this is the cycle of love that sustains us all and this is how universe works mata has given us such a great 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 principle of how this universe works because remember sri ram always says that mata your sita you're full of love and it is that love that flows out of you which sustains this universe not only the universe me as well so many times we um quoted this what ram says sri ram says and that's what mata is explaining to soma she's saying this is what i'm trying to explain soma that the unconditional love that i'm talking about it's the cycle of love and it sustains us and this is how the universe works and such a beautiful truth um so my dear friends it's very important for us to remember that this whole creation is just based on one thing which is love which is the highest vibrational energy highest form of energy with highest vibration to the point that everything in existence today the basic building block behind it is universal love so remembering of this universal love and what this universe is made of i would like to conclude today's episode at this point of time thank you very much and when we come back again to go through our next episode we will continue from here but i feel so happy listening to mata's last line where we are leaving this episode that it is the cycle of love that sustains us all and this is how the universe works thank you very much my dear masters and i wish you a great week enjoy thank you